Welcome to the West Connect podcast, where we help ensure that student athletes are successful on and off the field. I'm excited to have somebody that we haven't connected in a long time. I just shot you a blind note on LinkedIn and the magic of persistent follow-up. Here we are talking now. Um, who is, you, you know, around my class at school, Jenna Posner. Jenna, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Happy to and chat. I might get crushed for this by other guests who have already been on the show, but I believe you are the first Hall of Fame member we've had so far. In our class? No, in general, I think. Um, well, I was, I was inducted with a whole crew of folks. No, but... no, in terms of on the show. Oh, on the show. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so before we get into what, you know, led you to be a Hall of Fame athlete, how did you find yourself at Wesleyan? How'd that work? How was my time at Wes? Um, I, uh, Wesleyan was a really interesting opportunity for me. I knew from the moment I stepped on campus, you know, that this was the place. Uh, I don't know how many of you have had that experience, but in going through my college tours, um, the minute I turned on High Street, I just kind of, I just kind of had this feeling. I knew it was the place for me, and I didn't really know why. But Wesleyan for me was, um, yes, uh, academically it was it was rigorous. I learned a lot, but really I became I became who I am. Right? I, I kind of found myself. Uh, I found my sexuality. I found uh, my political views. I found uh, what inspired me from an educational perspective. And I found myself as an athlete, um, and and all of those things really set the stage for how I continued on after graduating. And, and you were involved with a number of different athletic organizations. You want to talk a little bit more about what sure. that looked like for you? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a I was a three season athlete. Uh, I played field hockey in the fall. Uh, I ran track indoor and outdoor. Um, but I had a really interesting abroad experience where. My, uh, my senior fall, this is very unconventional, my senior fall, I went abroad um, and I went to Australia. And while I was there in 2003, I discovered rugby and it was a World Cup year. I got to watch all this amazing rugby. I had no idea the gift that I was being given at the time, uh, but I really fell in love with the sport. So when I came back, I ran my indoor season and, you know, I kind of, you know, I was not in the best shape ever because I've been drinking beer and eating fish and chips on the beach for four months. Uh, but when I came back, I ran and did okay. Ended up at nationals uh, and decided my senior spring I was gonna try rugby, and so kind of just rocket shipped after that. And what was? I think you're also the only three sport athlete we've had on. We've had two sports. <laughs> what was that like? I mean, looking back on it, obviously you're a tremendous athlete across the board, but that's a lot given you know, everything going on socially, academically. Um, would you do it again? Would you play all three sports looking back on it? You know, it's interesting. My, my field hockey days from a camaraderie perspective were unbelievable. Uh, it, it's a little bit harder in the track and field world to, to find that camaraderie because for the most part, you're, you're in these individualized sports where you're so honed in on your craft and your time and your position and your, your place and, you know, uh, it, it's just very different than being a part of a team sport where everyone really has to gel together in order to make this beautiful music, which is the game. So no, I mean, I definitely wouldn't have punted field hockey. And in fact, field hockey was kind of my core base conditioning that got me ready for uh, a really streamlined indoor season, right? I did all of the, 
really hard endurance work for an entire season before going indoors for my, my sprinting. So it was really helpful, um, socially really helpful, um, you know, from a camaraderie perspective. And then uh, of course, uh, helpful athletically as well as it kind of geared me up for an indoor season. So I definitely wouldn't have, wouldn't have punted field hockey. Um, and, you know, with track and field, there's a lot of pressure to do indoor and outdoor, I would say. Um, and that was really where my strength was as an athlete. So I was really passionate about running and it just kind of made sense for me. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with my time if I wasn't training every day, if I wasn't competing every weekend. Um, in some respects, while I was a little wild and crazy, uh, I think it would have been uh, much worse had I not had athletics to keep, keep me under control. I'll, uh, I'll <laughs> refrain from uh, relaying uh, stories about the field hockey team because we, we definitely knew some of the same folks um, and you all sure. had, you had a lot of fun. It was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, was your, uh, what was your event for track and field? So I was a sprinter. Uh, so for indoor, uh, I ran the 55 meter uh, and the 200. Um, and I did a little bit of long jump, little jumping here and there. Uh, and the outdoor um, season, I would do the 100, the 200. And in both seasons, I would do relays. So four by one, four by two, things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was um, definitely short distance sprinter, oddly, oddly fast for a little white girl. <laughs> and you won the national championship, right? I did, yeah, my junior year. Um, I won the 55 meter dash. Um, I think I ended up as a seven time All-American. This is actually funny how important that was to me. This is sitting on my desk right now. Nice, yeah, so this is audio only, but she's showing us the actual plaque, yeah. uh, uh, her All-American uh, plaque, which is pretty yeah. badass, I'm not gonna lie. And, <laughs> and I'm curious, and I think I even remember talking about this at the time, just because you were so dominant track and field. Did you ever think about going D1 or did you have, looking back on it, regrets about that choice um, that you made? Because you, you must have been recruited, right? So. Yeah, yeah, I was recruited um, pretty heavily. And in fact, after my freshman year, when my coach um, was no longer coaching at Wesleyan and the coach that had worked so hard to get me there, um, I was flirting with Columbia a little bit uh, and thought potentially of transferring and making a change. I mean, obviously looking at Columbia, they're not known for their track and field program. So clearly my priorities were still academic, but, um, but yeah, there's a little part of me that wonders had I been in an environment where I had some, some other folks to push me a little harder uh, or make me stretch a little further in practice, you know, could I have been a little faster? Um, sure, I asked myself that question, but ultimately I chose Wesleyan because I knew the doors it would open for me, that that track wouldn't. Um, and so, yeah, I, I stand by my decision. I'm Wesleyan changed me. I mean, it's it's such a huge part of who I am and, um, and, and the doors that have opened for me over the course of the, you know, the last 15 years. So um, no, I wouldn't do it differently. I, I, would, I would do it the same way. Um, maybe take less credits. Uh, I, I went a little, I went a little overzealous in the, uh, in the academic side of things and stretched myself too thin in some cases, but, um, but no, I, I loved Wes, loved it. Yeah. We, we hear that as a recurring theme of, you know, high achieving student athletes feel like they need to be high achievers in all aspects of their lives. And it can be really challenging. Yeah. Um, and to use that as a segue, oftentimes it can be challenging when they're when they're leaving that 
academic life behind. And they sometimes often feel pigeonholed of going into certain industries or, or certain professional careers. Um, what did that look like for you after having so much success on the field at school, leaving some of that behind, even though you did continue to, to play rugby, which I want to talk about, but moving into the next phase of your life? Yeah. Um, so I studied art history. I decided that I was going to uh, reserve graduate school for studying what I was going to do for the rest of my life and leverage undergrad to study what I was really passionate about. Um, never actually ended up going to graduate school, which is kind of hilarious. Um, so I didn't really leave Wesleyan with a plan, right? I knew I wanted to be in New York City. That was a priority for me. Um, and I literally winged it. Um, I went with confidence. Um, I went with my competitive spirit to New York and just tried to figure it out. Um, and I, I found my way. It was re a really interesting time for me in the market in that digital wasn't really a thing yet, right? It was kind of just starting to find its way. You know, we had had one bubble burst and like, you know, SaaS software as a service was kind of like a thing that had happened. Um, but e-commerce was kind of like just really getting started. Amazon was getting started. You know, they were kind of gobbling up some companies at the time. And I was just very opportunistic while I was in New York. Um, I took odd jobs. I just tried to expose myself to the, the New York community. Um, and luckily I had my main focus when I went to New York was really rugby. Um, it was really, that was my career. And I was simply trying to find jobs that would help feed and, and fund that career. Um, so the pressure kind of left me a little bit when it came to building a career because I was so honed in on doing that and, and playing for the US team. Uh, it kind of took that pressure off. So I got to dabble in a lot of things and ultimately found my way through, um, through sales. So I started selling print ads in a weekly New York City free newspaper. Uh, I then got picked up by Getty Images and I was licensing you know, images of Tiger Woods that were used in every airport on the planet <laughs> to major agencies. Uh, and then I actually got picked up by a client that I was servicing um, through Getty. And that's when I started dabbling in the startup space. And I got a little bit deeper into digital at that point. So, so talk a little bit more about being this professional athlete and, you know, I, I don't know much about that world other than it, it probably sounds similar to what lacrosse was at the time where a sport that people are familiar with, but, but people playing it were not able to, even the best performers were not able to have a full-time job. And so oftentimes they were doing biz dev sales, pitching companies that were, you know, um, offering services or merchandise associated with the sport. Was that a, a similar experience for you? Yeah, I was basically trying to monetize every minute off the field I had, right? So it would be a combination of like, I mean, I did everything from delivering magazines to um, trying to monetize even our own rugby club, right? So finding, we had, a, um, we had an annual rugby tournament that we would hold in New York City every year around Thanksgiving. Um, and I kind of took on, um, you know, building opportunities for fundraising around that, um, you know, making connections with alumni and old boys. And, you know, there's a huge wide network in the rugby community. Everyone's trying to help feed this passion, right? Because there wasn't really at the time um, a professional entity that could pay players. So I was, I was there from the, from the, uh, uh, no one has paid anything, right? You kind of have some like high level sponsorships that maybe you'll use to like fund some of your travel or fund some of your gear um, all the way through to the end of my career, which culminated in like the first ever annually paid female rugby athlete. Um, so I was really a part of uh, charting the course to, to establish rugby in the US um, as a main player globally, 
um, but also to elevate women and our ability to get paid uh, for exploring and executing against the passion that we love. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of, of uh, connections being made within the rugby community and that became an instant, I mean, you just kind of plug in and it's, everything's provided, right? It's, it's odd jobs, it's opportunities to make money, it's um, places to go eat and songs to sing and drinks to drink. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a very amazing um, accepting community. Yeah, that, that sounds incredible. And I, and I know I, I personally would have loved to have a little bit more of a continuation of my, of my college experience um, beyond just those four years. But how was it to finally hang up the cleats? How hard was that? It sucked. Um, it, uh, I actually ended on an injury um, and a move from New York, which is where my, my women's Premier League team was based. We moved down to Philly. I got married you know, we bought a house, like it was just kind of time to now focus in on that career, right? Um, I had started getting a little bit more uh, honed in on what I wanted to do and where my passions were from a career perspective. And Philly uh, offered me an opportunity that uh, we just, all the stars kind of aligned, right? It was kind of just time to take the plunge and, and hang them up. So it was the, the career piece. It was the wanting a family piece. It was the, I can't travel nationally every weekend anymore, right? I kind of like need to be here. And um, yeah, both my wife and I hung up our cleats at the same time and moved to Philly. And, you know, I played co-ed flag football for a few years. <laughs> that, was <my> <laughs> my, that was my way out uh, of rugby. I kind of, you know, kept myself fed um, and played a little on, on Sundays, so. That's awesome. Yeah. And based on the conversation we had before this and on LinkedIn, it seems like you've stayed in that sales, tech, retail space um, since you've kind of formally left, left rugby. Maybe talk a little bit about how you leveraged those networks that you created through sports, both at school and afterwards, into going into kind of the full-time professional career. Yeah, I'd say the, the biggest... Uh the biggest consistency on the value that Wesleyan has offered me in my, let's call it job search, career search, career growth, is immediate validation in my education. There is no question on if I'm competent, if I'm educated, if I'm smart. Every time the name Wesleyan is seen on a resume or on LinkedIn, it's like, oh, wow, that's a great school. Like that, having that in itself is such a, just to not feel like you've got to validate your education is just you're, you're, it's immediate respect, right? Which is, which is awesome. Um, so from that perspective, that's been consistent throughout every possible opportunity or change or uh, growth opportunity. Um, so from a from an athletic perspective, you know, I have for some reason um, just continued to to push myself, right? Um, I'm I'm well. I don't want to say I'm not content. I'm actually very content in my current my current role. I love it. Um, but I'm not the type of employee that will stop at a goal, right? Um, and I think that is that athletic drive to just succeed and succeed and keep going and persevering and proving and pushing and winning, right? And being in a, a sales position or not so much in a sales position now, but being in a sales position, um, I was a startup junkie for a solid decade, right? So if any of, if, if you or, or if any of you have been a part of a startup, you know the type of energy and enthusiasm and perseverance it takes to 
you know, keep going when you don't know if you're going to make payroll the next day, right? Um, so having that, um, that endurance that I built mentally at Wesleyan is something that has definitely followed me through my career, and it's been pretty epic. So I was in the, the retail tech space for a very long time, uh, building partnerships, implementing integrations, selling technology to retailers, um, filling very specific gaps in the market. Uh, I recently took a role as a VP of digital at a global company called Snipes, which is a streetwear company. And we sell a ton of Nike and Reebok and Puma and Adidas and all of the amazing uh, outerwear that I've been training in and playing in and lounging in my entire life. So it's a really wild fit right now. Um, the majority of my role is actually vetting and buying technology and then working with my team to implement technology that's ultimately going to create better experiences for our consumers online um, and ultimately sell more hype sneakers. Super cool. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is. And, you know, I hear the words that you're saying in terms of Wesley and affords you a lot of opportunities and will open a lot of doors and give you pe people have the presumption that you are well-educated, knowledgeable, hardworking, but then you've got to take advantage of those doors that open. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I love the, the tenacity and that spirit. And, and I, as somebody who started my company 11 years ago um, and have, has have grown it, I love hiring student athletes especially if they played a team sport, especially if it was not D1, because you know that they just love that teamwork, the camaraderie, they get it. It's just, part, it's just part of their personality, right? It's yeah. just like, I think to what you were saying earlier, and we hear this from a lot of people we interview, people, people perform better academically in season, right? Because it gave them structure, boundary. They love the teaching moments. They like being coached. They take criticism well. And they just have this drive, right? That you can't teach, you can't teach that hustle that people have innately in them. Yep. And so everything you said, I think really um, is completely true and something we hear over and over again. Um, what's it been like being, you know, this professional in this space, but now also putting in married life and being a mom? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, to three boys, one set of twins, right? Seven years old. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, I mean, luckily, I've got a fantastic partnership uh, with my wife. I get to be the insane paced risk taker. And she is the uh, stable level headed one, which is a fantastic partnership. Um, you know, I will say that COVID's given me a, a really, really interesting perspective. You know, like you, Brian, before COVID, I was on the road all the time, right? I was on a plane every week. Uh, I was across the country. I was meeting vendors. I was at conferences, um, you name it. Um, and this time, this past year plus, you know, I have a two-year-old um, who was just one a year ago and he's now home twice a week with our nanny. Three days a week, he goes into his little like early childhood center. But I've had this like amazing time with him, right? And it's given me this this perspective of what work-life balance really means. Um, and it's really encouraged me to pour some of that passion back into continuing to build our home and you know build memories and reprioritize within our family. And I know this is maybe crazy, but I oftentimes refer to our family as a business, right? I'm, I'm the CEO, my wife is the COO, like she is just cranking out, making sure everything's functioning. Um, and it's really, it's given me a, uh, a unique opportunity to refocus on that, right? And 
and reprioritize that. Thank God it is totally possible right now to be working remotely for me. I know not everyone is, is that lucky, um, but I'm in an industry right now that is on fire. Um, so we are a I mean, we're just, we're, we're growing like crazy. Um, we're very new to the US. Uh, we came here, uh, Snipes came here in, in 2019, very early 2019. Um, and we're much like a footlocker finish line, right? So everyone's buying goodies and slippers and sneakers. And um, so being at our highest peak right now, working from home, having this opportunity to reevaluate my role in the family, um, while COVID has been awful and there's been a lot of struggle, uh, I'm really grateful for having been, been forced into that. Uh, that new that new reality. Well, and I think to go back to what we talked about earlier and what uh, what we talk about a lot with these interviews is Wesleyan and being a student athlete there makes you learn how to balance all those priorities and, and to handle like, how do you cram 48 hours into 24 hours, right? You just make it happen. And, and I think those are invaluable lessons to take away. Um, and I know you're busy and you got a lot on your plate. So I want to be mindful of your time, but looking back on it, you know, for you being this high achieving athlete, going through a lot of you know personal changes as well at school, any advice or kind of words of wisdom that you would give to, you know, current student athletes um, who are maybe going through a, a similar journey? I mean, for me personally, you know, this is the last time in your life where you're literally gonna have a predictable beginning and end of something. And what I, what I wish I could have done is just, actually, I don't know if I, I wish I could have done it. What I see now is, you know, it's a moment in time and, you know, it's, you're gonna make good decisions and you're gonna make bad decisions and you're gonna learn things and you're gonna forget things. And I think that it's a, it, it has the opportunity to be a beautiful chapter in, in shaping who you are and helping you understand what type of, you know, adult you want to be. Um, you know, just don't be too hard on yourself. Take every experience for what it is. There's opportunities to learn everywhere and leave content. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've got a few things that I still hold on to and you know, I'd, I'm working on letting some of those things go, but you know, there's, there's no point. I mean, it's all, it was, it was all there and it's over and it's, um, yeah, there's just so much to learn. So just, I don't know, I took myself very seriously in some cases and then I didn't take myself seriously enough. Uh, I think finding that balance is, is really important and hard to do as a student athlete, right? Cause you're so, at least for me, I was so black or white. I was so off or on, I was so hot or cold. Um, you know, I, I think I would have been a little better served to find some, some middle ground, but, um, I just wasn't for me. That wasn't my experience. Well, I, I think that was part of what drove you and motivated you. So <laughs> thank you for joining us. This has been super cool. It's great to reconnect. It's been way too long. One of my favorite parts about doing these interviews is just having a reason to, to reach back out because kind of like you reflecting with COVID, you know, you think about priorities and obviously it's family and business, but my time at Wesleyan was really special to me. And um, I've let a lot of these relationships um, go to the wayside, which, which I shouldn't have done. So, you know, maybe we've got our 20 year coming up. 
we can get we can get Jen Brown to join us. We do a beer mile. We can go check out your plaque at the Hall of Fame. I think it'll be great. I so have to do a gluten free beer this time around. <laughs> we yeah. can we can figure something out. Um, but thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. It was awesome. Really appreciate it. And definitely, I encourage people listening if they're interested in any part of what Jen spoke about. She's a really cool person. Was a total is a total badass athlete. And I, and I definitely want um, people to, to connect with her and reach out and um, learn from her. So thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to help.